This weekend on Sportsman Like Conduct, we bring it back to the Lions who had a bye week. We kind of talk about their competition outside of uh, their own team with the Packers struggling now without Aaron Rodgers. We'll get into that and talk about what that means to the Lions and Vikings and Bears in the division. Then we'll go into our usual college football topics of Michigan and Michigan State. Obviously, Michigan didn't have the weekend that they wanted to have. Michigan State continues to win. We'll talk about where both season or both teams' seasons are going in that direction. We'll then talk about the World Series, the Dodgers and Astros. Break that down, what team we think will win and why. And then we will talk about Eric Bledsoe and a tweet that he had that he says wasn't about the Suns, but we believe was directed towards it. All that and more next here on the Sports Online Canada. And welcome into Sports Online Conduct, the pro sports show where we talk and you listen. My name is Andy McDonald. I am your host. And with me as always, once again, both of my co-hosts here. Elena Hess to my left. Elena, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Still on cloud nine from seeing my boys play last week in Cleveland. Describe it to us. Oh my gosh, it was so surreal. It was just crazy. There was waterworks definitely the whole game. <laughs> when they, when my, when LeBron and Dwayne Wade come out, I wanted them to come out like holding hands, like. But you know, it was it was good. Oh. I love the bromance. What do you have to say about that? First of all, Evan, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that is just ridiculous. For sure. But, I mean, as far as me, though, I lost in fantasy football. To me. Fantasy football, I lost oh, in a different oh, oh, but, 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 but basketball, but she basketball. She just wanted to point it out right away. But fantasy basketball, yeah, I lost oh, okay. to you, Elena. Um, so, yeah, it's been one of those weeks. Been one of those. One of those weeks. <laughs> I think it has probably won't stop raining here. So, in general, when the weather's like that, it just kind of feels negative outside anyways. But we're getting through it with sports because that's what we're going to talk to you guys today as usual. Um, we will uh, start with the Lions like we've been doing here. Usually they did have a bye week, so they didn't play. But what I do want to talk about a lot for their upcoming matchup here at the Steelers and everything like that is the Packers played this past weekend, and they haven't been having the uh, the most success since Aaron Rodgers went out. Um, Hundley's been their backup quarterback, trying to get things working for him. And while the first drive of the game went really well for the Packers, they scored in that touchdown from Jones right up the middle. Couldn't get anything really going after that the rest of the game, and they look like a team now that is like, can they even compete for the division without Aaron Rodgers? Will he be out for too long? Um, they think he might be able to come back, you know, towards the end of the season maybe, but that, that's about the best thing they're going to get out of him. So looking at it in that perspective and thinking now you have the Lions and Vikings are two teams that are, you know, right around the same Zach Market record. Um, what do you guys think is going to happen in the NFC North now that Green Bay doesn't have Aaron Rodgers? It makes it really interesting. It makes it really Really interesting. I mean, looking at the this Packers team, they dropped back-to-back games against the Vikings and the Saints. They have a bye week, and then they have the Lions coming up. But but you even mentioned Aaron Rodgers possibly coming back at the end of the year. That last game of the season is Lions-Packers at Ford Field. So, I mean, that's a game where, where if he comes back, that, that could actually end up being the deciding factor. But, but I think this first game uh, against, against Detroit really does, I don't know, almost – solidify their fate almost it's kind of like that that you know you drop two in a row and you have your bye week and then you come back uh, against the lions and it's one of those on the edge games where i think it could really go both ways and that's almost going to prove their season i think yeah for sure i think i think when you look at hudley and he goes 12 for 25 for 87 yards and a pick that's just not going to win you many games in the nfl no it's not at that level so I, I think they're really in the, and the saints aren't necessarily a team that usually wins on the road much less at lambeau fields so that says something too elena what what are your takeaways right now well, I definitely think it's up in the air for for all of them right now, but I don't see the Packers doing anything without Rodgers because, I mean, they lost the biggest piece. And how can you go forward when that's all you knew, really? Aaron Rodgers was the 
centerpiece of that team. And without him, I don't really see them succeeding much. But um, the Lions, I almost feel like they peaked in the the third week. (laughs) Now I'm just kind of like, oh, it's typical Lions again. But I don't know. Maybe there's still something there. Well, I said it. I said it this week. I said, you know, if you can't play, you can't lose. So (laughs) it's true. I mean, that that's a good thing for the Lions right now. But who knows? Maybe they can turn things around. And they do have a really big game coming up, so we're going to They have two big see. games in a row, yeah. including those yeah. Green Bay Packers right off the bat. And then the Steelers, you get right out of the break, and they're hot again. They've won a couple games in a row here. So that's going to be a tough game. It's going to be on Sunday Night Football and everything. But nevertheless, I think that the Vikings are definitely a team to watch out for in this division. Mm-hmm. I think that they have a good enough defense that could really hold them in a lot of games and maybe be able to get them to win. And how about the Bears? I mean, I know they're 3-4, <laughs> and four, but they like somehow surprise teams be able to get upsets. They're not like, you know, world breakers are going to really beat you. But they're a team that looks like they actually can win some games with, you know, Mitch Trubisky, a quarterback, not asking him to do too much. They're using a lot of Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen as their running backs to be able to get stuff done. I think the, the division is kind of just, like, up in the air right now completely. I, I don't really have, like, a projected winner. If I did have to pick one, I, I think at the end of the season it's going to be the Minnesota Vikings. I agree because with that. I think that they just have the, the best defense in the league, and I think that the defense is going to be able to carry them far enough to be able to get it with enough of their offensive weapons, but... I mean, yeah, yeah, Diggs and McKinnon's looked really good now, and Latavius Murray, that they've been kind of formed like a good running back core um, ever since the loss of Cook. But, I mean, do you guys disagree with me? Who do you, who do you well, think no, has no, I mean, right now? No, no, I think, I mean, if you're talking about, besides the Lions at this point, I think if you're talking about the Vikings and the Bears, which team could win the, the NFC North, I think the Vikings are maybe. Uh, for me, the Bears are a no. But, <laughs> for sure. But, but, I mean, no, but just looking at, looking at this Vikings team, I mean, McKinnon stepped up uh, really a lot well. since, since Cook went down. With the injury, their next two games, they play the Browns and the Redskins, both very, very winnable games for the Bears. I mean, I mean, excuse me, for the Vikings. But, I mean, it's just really one of those things where also Case Keenum, like, he's playing good enough to just keep them in games. And that's all they really need him to do at this point. Mm-hmm. They're definitely a team that's going to be dangerous. Uh, we'll see if they can get on a roll, though. That, that's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, they have a whole interesting thing going on there at quarterback with Teddy Bridgewater kind of coming back now. And, like, all of a sudden he's, like, regulated to play against. So who knows if he could get in the mix by the end of the year. And you're not really sure it's going to happen to Sam Bradford. So, like, there, there's still a big mix going on there for who actually could end up being the quarterback by the end of the season. There's still a lot of question marks. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and there's plenty of football out to be played for them to be able to hang around long enough. Um, and I, just going back to Green Bay and looking at it, I mean, you can. It, it's not like college football where a lot of teams can just run over the other one because Jones had 17 carries, 131 yards, and a touchdown this game against against New Orleans. So, I mean, it isn't a world-breaking defense. They're not a bad one either. Um, not or not, They're, like, middling, I guess I should say. Looking at it from that perspective, I mean, they have a running game still. They're still finding a way to move the ball on the ground, but if you can't pass it all, I don't think you have enough in the NFL to be able to win games. No. Well, I think it just comes down to Jones. I mean, is, is he going to slow down? Can he keep it up? Can he really yeah. keep it up until Aaron Rodgers gets back from injury? A lot that, people, that's the question. A lot of people are convinced that he's taking the job from Montgomery and he's just going to keep running with it because he seems to be doing a pretty good job back there right now. Oh, I think I, so. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think he's he solidified himself as really the number one back there, but... Like I said, the question is, can can he do it long enough to where Aaron Rodgers can come back, be healthy, throw the football like Aaron Rodgers does? Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, these Packers have a chance. If not, I, I don't think so. So what do the Lions have to do to win the division? Oh, uh, win, win, win <laughs> football games. Um, no, like, what if they're doing to get back to winning? That's that's to, the real question I'm I'm trying to ask you guys right now. They need to step it off, step it up offensively for sure. Um, their defense needs to come back too. I don't know. They need to. They need to fix a lot of things right now. Yeah. Get thing, back on winning. The thing that really surprised me is I looked at the Saints against the Packers this weekend, and with a backup quarterback who didn't keep the offense in the field a lot for Green Bay, 
Saints only put up 26 total points. Now, granted, that's on the road. It's not at home. And they did get a couple defensive touchdowns in that game against Detroit. But either way, they still scored more points overall. The Lions are supposed to have a better defense, or at least have it points this year, than Green Bay. So I don't know what's going on with the Lions' defense right now, but I think that's more or less the key. No matter, no matter how much the Lions' offense seems to stumble or sputter to start the game, they always find a way to get points. At some point, you can't allow a team to score you know, over 30 points consistently on you and expect to win a lot of games, I don't think, in this league. Well, here's my thing. I think this upcoming game against the Steelers, it's it's a, a primetime game. It's a big mm-hmm. game. And I don't really know how much players really dial into that. I mean, maybe they, they feel it. Maybe they don't. Uh, I mean, I, I haven't really talked to them, so I, mean, I don't really know exactly how they feel, but I almost think this is a game where it's a game to get the momentum back. Mm-hmm. I don't really think this is a game where, you know, this is a, a, a do-or-die kind, kind of game, but I think it's definitely a momentum kind of thing because, you know, you play the Steelers and then you have to play the Packers. The Packers are, it's a rival team, you know? So I, I think this is one of those games where, I mean, yes, it is the Steelers. Steelers are a good football team. But to be able to grab that momentum, win that game, and then... Go play the Packers. I mean, if you have momentum on your side, you really got a shot. And then we'll see if the Lions can keep rolling. For sure. They I, Simply they have to find a way to win games, and these next two are really big. I think what you alluded to with uh, momentum there is very key because when you're playing a team, uh, any kind of primetime football, it's a team like the Steelers that are playing high right now. If they, if they can find a way to get that win, because I mean, even though it's at home for the Lions and stuff, I still just don't know if they're going to be able to get the job done against the Steelers. I did not pick them to win last week. I picked them to lose. Um because I think that the Steelers are playing simply too good right now. But if they can win that game and go out there and do it, that that, that should be enough momentum to push you through for a while, at least until you run into some other kind of wall later in the schedule. Well, the thing is for the Lions, I mean, you mentioned the schedule. you got Steelers, Packers, Browns, Bears, Vikings, all in a row. That, that Browns game it, is a win, I, I would say. But looking at those other ones, those <laughs> are hope. I mean, those those are all games that, that really could fall either way. So, yeah, momentum, I think it's going to be huge. For sure, hundred percent. I I agree with that in every facet. Elena, do, what do the Lions that. have to do to get through the rest of their schedule? <laughs> Win, like Evan said. But yeah, they need to <laughs> they need to get their defense back, and uh, Stafford needs to not get sacked. So you oh, guys yeah. were you guys were both under that the Steelers were gonna win if I'm or, no. or not the, the Lions were gonna win right that was your I think it was both your guys oh yeah yeah the I same could, I told them, I said they're gonna yeah. like roll right by them I was like oh yeah so you guys still think that right and I think the Lions are gonna be the Steelers no this weekend I do not mm-hmm. think no that. I don't think so okay I'll I'll allow the change this week I'll uh, <laughs> I'll allow that and we can say that that is your prediction I <laughs> well here's the thing I think it'll be close but if this offensive line doesn't step up and protect their quarterback. Who they just toss gobs of money at? Mm-hmm. They're not gonna. They're not gonna win. They're not gonna. They're not gonna <laughs> beat the Steelers. If you can't protect your quarterback, yeah, you're, you're not gonna win. And you know what? If they can't protect him this game, if they can't protect him next game, he, he's not gonna be playing the whole season. He'll be out. Does he have he, to play better right now? Is part of this on him? Because what he did against the Saints wasn't very good. Does is there anything that Stafford has to do better? I guess this time. I don't think so. The dude could barely even get up off the ground in the Saints game. He was <laughs> he was pummeled over and over and over again. You give him time in the pocket to throw, and he struggles, then we can talk. But mm-hmm. I don't think we can have that conversation until his offensive line actually protects him a little bit. I agree with that. And the run game also. Can the run game please open up the pass game? I mean, that's what <laughs> Detroit fans are begging for. Like, like this run thought game. thought we had it for a couple of weeks there. We thought. We thought. But we thought wrong <laughs> in the long run, mm-hmm. sadly enough. I just think if the run game can open things up for the pass game and the offensive line can protect Stafford, then if he struggles – we can have this conversation again. Yeah, exactly. Until it's then, different. though, I just don't think so. Looking at the Saints game, it was there's a little bit of an asterisk next to it with the fact that he had 15 deflected balls. Sometimes you can't help that. Sometimes you can adjust your throws, get him up. But a lot of it was because of what you said. He has a lot of pressure in his face. 
sometimes it's hard to throw over guys and they're like directly in your face. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just really, really, really bad luck to have that many balls deflected and some of them go for interceptions. All the intercepted, all the intercepted passes he threw in that game came off of deflections. That was so. just a head scratcher game. It was like a, <laughs> yeah, it was so confusing. It's one you you can't really put a pin on, but hopefully the one on Sunday night goes more like an actual football game and something that you watch more <laughs> normally. And we'll uh, we'll see what happens to them next. Uh, we're all we're all picking the Steelers though, so they're gonna have to prove us wrong in that way. Um, now we'll go to a game where I don't think any of us were wrong, and I think most of the country was right. Penn State um, beat Michigan this past weekend, forty-two to thirteen. Um, <laughs> I I think I I think if you thought this game was gonna be close, you were in good reason because Jim Harbaugh has not gotten blown out. Always been at Michigan besides the uh, Ohio State game. You could argue back in two thousand fifteen. So I didn't really think it was gonna go that way, and the way that the game started made me want to stop watching right off the gate because it just looked like it wasn't even gonna be a game. Um, Saquon Barkley two plays in gets that big touchdown. And then another quick drive. I feel like it took literally 30 seconds for them to get down the field in six plays and score. They did, and it was 14-0 to just like that. Michigan kind of responds, only response to the other game. I was very impressed by that. I will say that 100%. I did not think that Michigan would be able to respond and put up the points that they did. I thought they would kind of just fall apart, but they did. Um, got the game back to 14-13, to the missed extra point. Obviously made that a little bit different. After that second half comes out, and it's like Michigan, first of all, they let the touchdown up before the half, which got them down 21-13. Then after that, all Penn State, second half. Uh, McSorley and Barkley literally were too much. Option reads for uh, McSorley were beautiful all game. He was burning Michigan. Um, I don't think Don Brown made good adjustments. Keeping Mike McCray on the Heisman Trophy front runner all all game isn't really going to work. He's not a very fast linebacker. I don't think that that was a good good decision at all. He kind of got burned all day. Herb Street was almost laughing in the last touchdown, trying to say Mike McCray is like a heck of a day. Like he literally cannot keep up with this guy. You know, like why why is he still on him? That was a bad adjustment. Um, <laughs> where does this Michigan team uh, go from here? Where, and what did you see in the Penn State game, Evan? Well, the defense clearly didn't show up. I think, like you said, McCray, mm-hmm. you know, having to to be on Barkley like that. Um, that that that's awful coaching, in my opinion. I I love Don Brown. I think he's a great coach. It I is. think that was just a mistake. Mm-hmm. I think if you have a guy like Devin Bush, put him on him. Yeah, just say Devin Bush, Saquon Barkley. That that's yours. He's yeah. yours. You 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 take him right now. Yeah, if someone we, that can bump him within the first five yards exactly. can get to his speed and slow him down. Exactly. And Bush is quick enough to do that. I think so. I but, agree. And you put McCray on him, and McCray's just too slow for I that. I get it. It's your captain. It's your senior. It's the best player on their team. But if he doesn't have the speed, then why are you doing mm-hmm. it? Yeah, no, I mean, defense didn't show up, gave up 42 points in 506 yards, most allowed since Indiana gained 527 yards in 2015. You know, M- Michigan just at this point, in my opinion, isn't a big stage team. They're not a team that can step up on the big stage in the big moment. They're not the ready. Game. They're not They're old not enough ready. yet, and that's what a lot of Michigan fans fail to understand right now. Elena? I agree, that, but we haven't seen the uh, defense struggle, so that was weird, but it was brutal for sure. Um O'Corn sacked seven times. I mean, it's just ugly right now for Michigan. That guy's got to release the ball. Yeah, that's how he's got to throw the ball. I think what you just said is got to get rid of it. That's the point. I'm not even going to blame it on the offensive line this game. I think that their offensive line did not play a horrible football game. I think that there was times they had a lot of pressure on them. That's going to happen in games. That's one of the best. That's if probably is the best defense in the Big Ten now after that game. Um, So when you look at it in that way. I really don't think you can put that much. He had the ball for so long in his hands, and he literally tries to make a play out of anything. And sometimes it works out for the guy, but more times than not, he gets sacked. He's been playing college football for I don't know how many years. Like, don't you just know that you got to get rid of the ball? You got to know. It. You got to know. He's at a point in in his college career where, where yeah, it is nearing the end. And at this point, he's been around college football enough to know. 
whether it's just from practice or in-game experience, just to get rid of the football when you need to get rid of the football. You, sure. you, can't, you can't you can't take sacks for for you know what seven eight nine yards that that's that's inexcusable. Yeah, I I think that the rushing game was a positive. Um, and this, I think that Michigan still had a decent running game. I think they need to go back to that a lot this season. This team's not going to be a world beater, so they might as well try to go back to what they can do right and do things in that facet. Um, obviously, the topic of the week right now around Michigan football is the quarterback situation. John O'Corn still named the starting quarterback, according to Harbaugh. And according to Harbaugh, Brandon Peters, who's the backup, who some fans are calling for right now, I saw today that he is quote unquote a like one play away from being the starting quarterback right now. He's he's one play off. He's not quite there. He's not ready yet. Going with Harbaugh's judgment, do you guys think that this is the right move right now? Do you stay with O'Corn or do you try to get your young quarterback in there and start playing him? Elena? I think you need to bring in the young quarterback. I mean, what else does O'Corn need to do wrong? I guess like I just think it's time. <laughs> I guess for me my thing is if you leave O'Corn in there, you're pretty much telling your team that we still have a shot at something this mm-hmm. year. And I don't know what specifically that is, but it means you have a shot at something, and you're going for something. But if you toss Peters in there and let Peters start, you're literally telling your whole team we're looking for we're looking towards next year. Yeah. So, well, I what think if he gets I, in there and he does great? Well, I think if he does well, if he does great, then then awesome. He, but that's that's got to be a, a bet that you're willing to take. And I think this game against Rutgers that Michigan's about to go play is a game where they can do a little bit of both, I, mm-hmm. I think, just because... Just test the waters a little. Yeah, exactly, because the Scarlet Knights aren't aren't anything impressive. You know, they, they do have a few um, decent wins this year. I'll, I'll give that to them. Definitely improved from last year. But I think you got to stick with O'Corn to start, but you got to give Peters reps. I, I don't care if it, it's maybe one or two offensive series. I, I don't know exactly where or how they do that. But, but I think you still want to get that look at the future, but you still want to be able to tell your team that you know, we're still trying to get to a bowl game. We're still trying to to win a bowl game. To yeah, to be some to be a school that matters. Yeah, in college football, be a team that's ranked. You got you got to be you got to be ca- <laughs> and you got to be careful how you do that too. Yeah, because just throwing out Peter is just kind of saying, oh well, whatever happens happens. Well, what you just said about throwing out Peters, that's my problem with the whole thing with all the all the hype right now about why John O'Corn should be sitting and why they should put in Brandon Peters. I go back and every time I look at the whole Shane Morris thing with when he came into the game, everybody just wanted that. Nobody that is, you know, away from the coaching staff has any clue what's going on when they're, you know, watching that stuff. So I think about it as why are you just going to throw, you know, Brandon Peters in there to start when maybe he really isn't ready. Maybe he doesn't have it. Like, you don't want him to get killed. We're watching John O'Corn get hit like this. What if it's the future of Michigan football just mm-hmm, getting hit yeah. like that? I think that that's a big problem, and I and I, I disagree with all that. I think that John O'Corn is clearly the starter. Yes, his pocket presence sucks, but that that's where Michigan's at right now. I mean, and this is why this I, I look back at it, and everybody that gave me a lot of crap after that Purdue game, I I don't feel wrong about it anymore because he's still he literally that was mm-hmm. my problem. He doesn't have a pocket presence, and when he plays good teams, he doesn't have it. But sixteen out of twenty out of twenty eight, hundred sixty six yards. That sounds like not a very you know pleasing number, but it's not terrible either. It's not bad. I don't think I don't think it's awful. So so. Okay. I think he, I think he managed the Penn State game to the best of his ability. Now he's not that good, but I don't think that Michigan has anything better on their roster to put in a quarterback right now. Okay, that's fair. That 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 is a that, that's a good statement. But as far as Peters going forward in this Rutgers game, you think they no they should they, definitely they should play him, him in reps. this game and and definitely when, should play him in when this do game. You think I mean you know maybe end of the first half end of the game. It depends what? how big of a lead that Michigan can build. Now I'm not saying that they need to throw them in for garbage time, but if they were up by say it's like the third quarter and Michigan scores a touchdown early in the third quarter and they're up by 
you know, 17, 14, 17 points, somewhere in there. Start playing the guy after that. Give him a whole series. Give him another series after that. If the game gets close, put a corn back in. Well, here's the thing. I want to, because I want to see Peters throw to first string guys. I don't want to see Peters throw to second string guys at the very end of the game when nothing matters anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to see him in in there in moments where he can make plays because he has the receivers that are going to be able to catch the ball and and have that experience as well. So yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see when. If and when he gets tossed in there. Well, you talk about receivers. I think that's another part of the whole thing. Michigan doesn't have good receivers. So you're gonna throw in you're gonna tell me you're gonna throw in a freshman quarterback right now that has not played in a college game and he's gonna just start completing passes to receivers that <laughs> well, don't know how well, to I run think, I think all you have is Grant Perry. Really. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a washed up, thrown back in the lineup, had problems in the offseason. I mean, it, it, Michigan doesn't have a real good receiver right now. I think the Tariq Black injury, I don't like to make excuses for injuries because it happens in football. When you're talking about the most important position in sports with your starting quarterbacks, what we have right now starting at quarterback in Michigan is a backup quarterback. That's not their starting quarterback. Whether There's a reason that Wilton Spade was getting stuck with because I think that Jim Harbaugh still believed he was going to turn around and be able to be the quarterback he was last year. You're talking about a guy that has beat Michigan State, and you're talking about a guy who's a bad call away from beating Ohio State. That's two things that they, they haven't done when they don't have those quarterbacks in, or when they have – you know, John O'Corn has never done, is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Okay. So I think that, you know, you can go back and you can look at injuries. That's one of them is big. And then the Tariq Black injury. I mean, how much can you, how much complaining do we get about the route running right now? And then none of the receivers know how to do it right. And they're all, their timing is off. I mean, the one play from Kakal Crawford is probably the one bright spot I've seen the past three weeks in that Penn State game where it was actually like a nice pass and a great adjustment to the ball to make a catch. Other than that, it's like there's just nothing there. So without Tariq Black, who is their best receiver, before, you know, he went out and injury, it's like those two injuries are key. I mean, you're talking about the two of the most important spots on the offense and, and that facet of passing. You lose your two top players, it's going to be hard to win anything. And that's why I think that Michigan fans are absolutely ridiculous right now saying that, you know, they should be champions or just expect all this stuff or say Urban Meyer's only lost this many games in this much time or Mark D'Antonio takes three stars and turns them into this. That doesn't, that doesn't, sometimes you can't really help it. And I, and I think that, he was thrown into a different situation where there's, you know, Brady Hoke has a bunch of seniors, leaves, and that was a very talented group, but all of them leave at the same time. I mean, this is a young, young team. People need to understand that they need time to be able to gel together, and when you take out the quarterback that you practice with the first team all summer and we're getting ready with, and you throw in another guy in the middle of the year that's a washed-up Houston transfer quarterback, that's not that's not an easy task for any coach to accomplish. Here's the thing, I don't, I mean, normally I don't like to do this, but let's just take a second and look at Kentucky basketball. Bringing okay. all these freshmen, right? One and duns. I like all, I like college basketball. All, I'm all about all, the scheme. All the time, so. all the time, right? One and duns, come into Kentucky, play for a year, then they're gone to the league, right? There, there's been seasons where they've been real bad. They've been real yeah. awful. But they've had guys go to the league. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of the, the almost the same situation where, yes, if Kentucky sticks with the same guys and keeps bringing in top prospects for four years, they'd be amazing, but they just don't do that. Mm-hmm. And for Michigan, I think they have all these young guys here now, but the thing is they get to keep some of these guys for a little bit. So we're just going to see how they grow, and the new guys that come in, um, part of the other the younger recruiting classes, just see how they all fit into the, the, the process as well and fit into the scheme as well. So I, I just think, yeah, you have a young team right now, and you can't be expected – to win them all with this young of a team and a backup quarterback. Trust the process. Trust the process. <laughs> How do you think that Brandon Peters should be worked in with this young system? I think that, I mean, at first I was like, I was being a typical Michigan fan like you were just saying, <laughs> like you were mad at. But after listening to you, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm, 
I do well, think I'm glad that... to know that my words do something on this podcast sometimes. <laughs> it inspired me. Okay, so, but I think they should play him uh, this next week. But, yeah, they don't. They shouldn't start him like I thought that they should. Um, maybe throw him in when they have, like, a significant lead, and but not when it's uh, not at the end of the game when it doesn't mean anything. But. No, I think he definitely needs to get reps. I mean, this yeah. is going to be your guy That's... going forward. The other thing that, I, you know, uh, Wilton Spay is going to have the – chance to be able to come back next year if Michigan gives them the fifth-year scholarship. Now, do you guys think that that is going to happen or not? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think I, – well, it depends on how Peters does. I think that's why you need to get him reps. You yeah. need to know that. Mm-hmm. You need to know what you're getting because when you have Peters – How about favors the experience? He does. He does. <laughs> I got an argument with this about Von Lozani. He used to be on this podcast earlier when we were recording our other one for Maze and Brew because he believed that he won't get that. And I'm thinking to myself, heck, yeah, he is. That, that guy's going to come in and already have played with these guys. I don't know why Harbaugh wouldn't do it. Yeah, I mean – I guess I'd see it happening, but I almost hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, I no, you, and I, I, I mean, can I think see you need, that. I think you need to rock with Peters next year. I think knowing in the back of your mind that you got McCaffrey as a backup, mm-hmm. unless McCaffrey can somehow win it, but I just think he's too. I, I think he's too small right now mm-hmm. to win it. He still has some weight to put on. So I mean, I think you roll Peters next year. You roll McCaffrey as a backup. You redshirt Milton coming in from from Florida. I, I just think that that's a good. Those are those are three good quarterbacks you have right there, and they're three good. Pretty young quarterbacks too, so you have a lot of things you can do with that group right there. I, I just think you don't give it to him. Any disagreements? No, none. I think that you shouldn't give it to him. I mean, we ho- like you said. I hope they don't, just because they need the other. These younger guys coming in look are going to look pretty good. And nothing. I don't have anything against Wilton Spate. I think no. I think he's a good quarterback and all, but I just think as far as the future of Michigan football goes. He's not gonna be a yeah, part of it. You, so. you, you just can't you can't give it to him. You gotta let Peter step up, do his thing, and then roll over to to your quarterbacks in the next couple of years. I personally think it believes where Brandon Peters is at. Um and the only way you are gonna truly find that out is if he does start to come out in the field and play. So that's why I do agree that he does need to start getting some reps, especially in games like this one and the Minnesota game at night. That's the kind of atmosphere you want to get the kid into and see mm-hmm. what he can do and play. Um so doing those kind of things I think is very important and being able to get him in. I I don't think, though, that they don't offer him the fifth year. I think that Wilton Spade will be back next year. I think that there's no way that Jim Harbaugh doesn't do it because so far since he's been there, went out and got Jake Rudock, went with Wilton Spade again this year because he's the more experienced guy. Now he's going with John O'Corn because he's injured and he's the more experienced guy. I don't think he's going to go away from it next year. You think Wilton Spade's a little bit, excuse me, do you think Jim Harbaugh is a little bit conservative almost in the way that he throws his team out on the field? As far as not taking like a chance. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could say that. I think. The, I think he. I think he just wants to win now. I think that's. I think that's more of his like aspect is I want to win right now. And I think that when he went out and got Rudock, that's when it really showed me that that's what he wanted to do. So saying that he's conservative in that sense, yes, I think so. I think that he always believes in his team and believes that they have a chance to win something. Even if, <laughs> I mean, this team could have more losses than they do right now, and I still think he would be trying to go for as many wins as he could possibly get. So yeah, I think that he is conservative and won't just toss a season away. To like you know try to get new people in there and prepare for the future. I think the, I think he more or less wants to win with the best team that he can put on the field and wants to run with that and see what he can do. Because in the past he's had success that a team like the 49ers wasn't like a world burner in the NFL. They just put together enough talent and enough pieces. I mean Colin Kaepernick was like a backup quarterback. I mean that's he found a way to get him there. So I, I honestly whatever Jim Harbaugh does I would trust as a Michigan fan just because. He's done it with quarterbacks in the past. So whatever he wants to do, I'm not going to argue with it. 
And I That's think it's fair. I think it's good that he wants to win now. I mean, it shows us that he cares and he's not just trying to. Michigan throw it still away has now. opportunities in the schedule. Yeah. Wisconsin, exactly. Ohio State in the season. Not that they're going to make the playoff or anything, but that's there's still a Rose Bowl potential. There's like very low, but there still there's is still a chance. There still is a chance that that could happen. And I'm not saying it will because it won't. I think Michigan's an eight four team, but at the end of the day, it still is there. As a coach, you have to believe in your team and your players. I think that's what happens. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with the Michigan moving forward. Just real quick, we all think they're going to beat Rutgers, right? Yeah, yeah. no doubt. They don't beat Rutgers. We're gonna have a whole different <laughs> conversation, and then I'll start to agree with some of those hating Michigan fans. But <laughs> other than that, yeah, and that yeah, that's a whole different subject. We'll get to that later in the show. But um, as far as Michigan State goes, I don't think there's really as much that needs to be said about them. I think it's just the fact that they just keep winning. And I, I was reading an article earlier this week, just kind of about the power rankings, the teams in the Big Ten, who's doing what, and. Uh, they're just talking about Michigan State saying all of a sudden this team is 4-0 in the conference and has a chance to, to win that side of the Big Ten again. Haven't we seen this before? I think it's like the same exact thing. You know, they have, they, they've had this, you know, kind of easier stretch of games now with, you know, not playing the toughest teams, Indiana being the most recent, and they did almost lose. Um, I do disagree with uh, Mark D'Antonio playing LJ Scott. I think that that's pathetic. I will say that right off the bat with all the problems that he's had off the field, and he did end up scoring essentially what was the game-winning touchdown for Michigan State. So, that's a bad look, in my opinion, on Mark D'Antonio. He should have been in that game. Should have should have been suspended. They have plenty of running backs in that roster too that could still win them games. So, I don't I don't know why uh, they had to play him and do that. That I, I'm not usually a guy that does disagree with anything Mark D'Antonio does. I think he's run his program phenomenally. But that's a big issue. What do you guys think about that whole thing with L.J. Scott getting his seventh? Uh, uh, I don't know why I can't think of the word right now, but it was the seventh time he's been in trouble with the. Yeah, what was it was it driving without a driving without a license yeah, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. suspended yeah, license, I don't know something what it like was that. Exactly, I couldn't think of the something about word. the license. But, but it was the seventh time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean seven times. How can you not? Like, come on, seven times, and he's still in your football team. Yeah, I mean, still in the team that blows my mind. But yeah. Anyways, yeah. what do you guys no, think? No, no, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And like you said, they do have other guys. On the team that can run, I mean, just to name a few: Madre, London, Gerald Holmes. I mean, yeah, those, those guys them. can run. Lewerke can run. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you, you got you have guys that can run, um, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's out of my hands. It's out of your hands, Elena. It's out of your hands. I mean, that that's a program decision. And, yeah, riddle, and riddle just, me this: Brian Lewerke, sixteen to twenty nine, one hundred and eighty five yards, one touchdown. That sounds almost familiar from what I just listed off when I said John O'Corns. How come they can? win these football games. Maybe it's because they haven't played the two big teams yet. but I just think it's a, a bad decision to put uh, him on the field because it makes it makes all the other players think that, oh, he can get away with anything. It's like, oh, I can do whatever I want and like get in trouble and all that stuff, but I'm still going to be able to play. So I, I don't know. I just think that just looks bad. I know it does in your program in general. I, I don't agree with it at all. I think that it was a terrible decision by Mark Antonio to do something like that. Um, but nevertheless, they are finding stuff. Uh, White was their leading receiver this week. That's a different name. Hasn't been brought up a lot. Six receptions, 99 yards. So he had a good game. They're able to find a lot with this offense. That I mean, they only put up 17 points, but it seems like they're kind of getting there more and more every week. Um, but barely escaping Indiana at home kind of makes me question how they're going to, you know, do against teams like Penn State and Ohio State that are nearing in their schedule. So they're going for that Big Ten championship right now. What are the chances that Michigan State can actually do this? I, I don't I don't think so. Um, Not any. I mean, no. yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, but I, I don't I don't really know hundred uh, percent. I think we're gonna find out though in, in the coming weeks. They take on Northwestern on the road, which I, I think is a win, but a very close win. And then I think they play Penn State and Ohio State. And I think those are both losses and then Last game of the season, Maryland and Maryland and Rutgers. I think 
those are both wins. Yeah. For for Michigan State. So I mean looking at potentially a three and nine football team at the end of the year. Nine and three. Nine and three. Three and I was last year. <laughs> uh oh. You're ahead of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um no, no, but maybe if they can split between Penn State and Ohio State, but I, I just don't see it. I think those two teams are are just too powerful to to take down. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I don't think there's any chance they'll come out on top in the Big Ten. I don't think they do, just because how how can you pick against Penn State? I don't I don't I know Michigan isn't that good. Like honestly, they're not that good. But when you when you look at how bad they beat them and what they did to that defense, the Don Brown defense, in the second half, I've never seen them get demoralized like that and literally just pulled their pants down on you know <laughs> on on camera. Like it was literally that bad. They just absolutely embarrassed them, and I think that the I I just don't see how Michigan State's gonna be able to stop that. I know they they forced their decent amount of turnovers and stuff this year. I've been able to make plays, especially they played against Michigan. That's how they won the game. But I just don't I, don't. I don't see it. I don't think Michigan State has enough to be able to do that. Um, what What would they have to do to win those games? What What would be the keys if they had to do to win these big games coming up? I think Brian Lewerke would have to to really go off. He'd really have to have two career games, in my opinion. I think L.J. Scott would have to have sure. a, a career game in at least one of those two performances. Really, you just need you need Lewerke to to really show up and play football. Uh, no interceptions, no fumbles from the running backs, and that that seems kind of unlikely to me because that's kind of been what they what they've done in the past. Lots of fumbles, a um, couple picks. So I, I just think both those guys would have to have career performances, literally in both games, back to back weeks. I just don't see it happening. I agree. They'd have to be perfect in every aspect of like literally the perfect. Game. Yeah. I, yeah. I I mean that's what you have to be usually against good teams. You have to be <laughs> yeah. perfect. You make mistakes. You usually don't win the game. But I agree. I I like what you said about Brian Lewerke because I think he's the key as well. I think that he has to play on a different standard if they're going to be able to win those games. He's got to be able to play better than just average, which he's been doing almost all season. It's been a lot of their defense and their running game that gets them the win by the end of the end of the day. He's going to be better than that because these teams are going to put up more points than nine points yeah. that Indiana put up against them um, at at home, and they nearly lost that game. So it was three to three at halftime. So when you look at it like that, well, well, no, I mean, like I've been saying though, Lewerke, what he does, he does is he, he can either beat a team with his legs or with his arms, but he he literally has to do it with both against mm-hmm. both these teams. He it can't be Brian Lewerke that runs or Brian Lewerke that passes. It needs to be Brian Lewerke that does both, and that's the only way they can win these games. I agree with it. I think going forward, it's going to be tough for them. I don't think that they're going to get the. I don't think they will get the job done. But I think it's definitely there. The opportunity is definitely there. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if they could beat a team like Ohio State. Or if they could beat a team like Penn State, if 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 all worked out for them, I mean, they are playing Penn State at home this year, so on the road, Penn State they struggle against Iowa. Michigan State is a pretty good environment that at that field when a big game comes to town. So I mean, and and they're playing three big straight games, so they got to play Ohio State after just playing Michigan, and then they got to play Michigan State. So Penn State is going to be, I mean, they're going to be worn down a little bit probably by the time they didn't have too much of a trouble with Michigan, but <laughs> I mean, they they uh, either way that I means still not an easy game, and they have Ohio State this week, and just under the national spotlight and all that media and everything, it, it can wear you out. So we'll see what happens when those two teams meet, um, and I really don't think that there's you know too much of an issue for them ahead on the uh, schedule this week. They play Northwestern. Do you guys have them winning that game? Yeah, close, but yeah, I think close too. Yeah, close. It's at Northwestern, I mean, they've been close to almost every team they've been beating. That's what mm-hmm. that's what Michigan State does. I think if I've learned over the past few years, they play down to their competition, but they play up just enough to be able to get by the teams. That they because I mean, I can say the same thing a couple of years ago, and they did go to the Big Ten championship and you know win that game against Iowa. That season, I thought there no way they're going to beat 
uh, Ohio State. I was like, just wait till you go to Ohio State. That Michigan <laughs> State's going to get beat. I mean, yeah, they needed luck. That season was filled with more luck than I can I can say for any 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 team that I've ever watched. I mean, the whole blocked punt and everything mm-hmm. else. It, it it was a very uh, a lot of things bounced in their favor. But nevertheless, they got the job done. They got the win. So I wouldn't be surprised if they could do it again. But yeah, Northwestern. I think they definitely get the win. So and after that, we'll go to our uh, baseball topic that we've been talking about here a little bit in the show. Um, well, here we are. It's the L.A. Dodgers, the team that I thought would be out in the first round. <laughs> team that I knew would be in it. Oh, I know. Yeah, keep telling me. <laughs> but seriously, they are there. They made it, and they're playing the Astros, which I'm happy about. I didn't think it would happen, but I'm really happy about it. Um, Justin Verlander, MVP of the ALCS. Um, I think that says how big that trade was. At the end of the year, they went out and they got themselves a bulldog, a guy that can absolutely get the job done when you need him to do it. Um, so they're there in the playoffs now. Um I've been reading articles all day. I'm picking up one from ESPN from all the Baseball Tonight guys and stuff, um, and all their writers and their staff. 22 people picked the Dodgers to win it. 13 picked the Astros. So that's about where it's at right now. I think the favor, the overall favor is definitely the Dodgers. I think there's just a lot of talent in that team. It's an all-around good team, experienced team. Haven't really ever been in this spotlight. It's been a while since they've been in the World Series and played like this, but they, they have everything in front of them to be able to do it now. But I think that the Astros are one of those teams that, you know, kind of caught fire, and they're, they're like that team that's just running through the playoffs right now. They all believe in themselves. They're winning in the craziest ways. That New York and uh, oh. and Astros series was a great series. That I was mean, unreal. Absolutely phenomenal. I, I loved watching every single game, and, like, being able to just watch the end of those games was great. I mean, a lot of close wins. Yankees, I think, deserve, you know, an absolute pat in the back. They played great. I mean, for a young team like that, a team that a lot of people didn't even expect to get third place, the division coming in the season and be able to push it as far as they did. I mean, obviously no one really expected Aaron Judge to do what he did. And some more of their young guys and their pitching staff. Obviously, Sabathia was still good. So just that kind of stuff. They were able to make their way to that game seven but couldn't quite get the job done, couldn't complete the comeback. And that's where I think the difference is in the series. And I'll ask you guys if you think the same thing. The Astros are a very, very, very tough team to beat at home. That atmosphere and that stadium and everything, that just it. The, I think the noise around I think it is really overwhelming. For teams that go in there and play on the road, they haven't been able to get the job done. The Astros absolutely feed off that crowd. I think that's one of my favorite things about baseball is that I see teams feed off the crowd more in that sport than anything else. I think I think that it it gets like when when you get that strikeout at the end of the inning when Justin Verlander walks off and he you know absolutely you know kills somebody with that curveball. I think I I forget who he was going up against, but I kept watching that replay and I was like, man, I miss watching that in the Tigers uniform. It like broke my heart. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you watch stuff like that. The crowd gets into it. They just they feed off of that. I think that that's the difference in the series. I think I think that I think that having and it is home field advantage for the Dodgers, but I think having Keuchel and Verlander go in the first two games, I think one of those wins goes to the Astros, and I think after that the home field is able to take them where they want to go. Well, I think with the Astros, it's it's nice, you know, that that energy that you can get. Like you said, we saw it when Verlander was Detroit. You know, it. it It'd be the eighth inning. It'd be the ninth inning. He'd throw a 100-mile-an-hour fastball by somebody, do the fist bump, crowd would be going crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, they feed off that, and that's a that's a big deal, and that, that could play into this series big time. But I think looking at, at Keiko going against Kershaw, I think Kershaw takes the win in Game 1. Um, but I do think Verlander gets the win for the Astros in Game 2. But besides that, like I just don't know if I really trust Houston's pitching staff at mm-hmm. this point. I mean, I think, yeah, I think, yeah the Astros might have – a little bit better of an offense than the Dodgers, but as far as you know, defensively, um, starting pitching, relief pitching, you know, the bullpen, I, I think the Dodgers have the advantage. That's why I got to go with the Dodgers in this series. But I do think it's going to go down to the wire. I think it's going to be a close one, and I think it's going to be 
one of the better World Series, um, you know, series that that we that we've seen besides last year, of course. But I think last year might top them all. Last year will top them all, but, I think, <laughs> but, but this one might be a close never know. Second. It could be one Who of those knows? series it's again. True. I mean, the last year was pretty cool because it was like two teams that haven't been to a World yeah. Series in forever, and both their cities were trying to get that win, and you know, you know, get that. So that that was a different atmosphere. This year's like the young guns against the you know more experienced players. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. But Elena. I think I'm gonna take the Astros just because I got faith in JV. Okay. But I mean, like I think JV will uh, win his uh, win his game for sure. Um, I think the Astros are gonna take it just because I think the hitting can take them to a World Series win. But um, again, I don't know. I don't really trust the Astros uh, bullpen. I think the Dodgers have a much better bullpen. Dodgers pretty much have it all, except for I think they have a problem with. Uh, uh, the Astros like to break the break pitches more than anyone, and I think the Dodgers have a hard time hitting that. So, for sure. So, so we got so we got you with uh, we got Elena, you with the Astros. I got the Dodgers. I'm with the Astros. You're with Ooh. the Astros. <laughs> I am with the Astros, and I think that's because of their pitching, and I also think it's because have fun getting through Jose Altuve and Carlos Carrera. That's right. I've watched it too much in the middle of that lineup be able to just tear people apart in these playoffs, and I think that there's no way that they're gonna be able to get through. Jose Altuve is the definition of just a gamer and a baseball player. Like, that guy feeds MVP. off everything. He knows how to hit. <laughs> he, he Situational hitting. He still has power. It doesn't matter how short that guy is. He's, he's the definition of why you still play sports and don't let anybody tell you no. Because okay. he, he's absolutely put everybody wrong at this point. And I think he keeps doing the same thing. Clayton Kershaw's a great pitcher. That's going to be a, a tough guy for any of them to get past in the first game. And I think, I think that... That'll make it tough um, for them to win both games um, in L.A. I think that Kershaw's able to get a win in one of those first two games, but I still think that's going to be um, a pretty close game, one of those pitching games that you'll see. I, I love those because I'm a baseball nerd. I could absolutely watch a 0-0 zero zero game until the 18th inning and not get bored of it because I, I love it when that one team finally gets a yeah. run. But Well, the way these guys pitch, too, is so beautiful. Like It's, it's almost an art just to watch some of these guys exactly. pitch. And the way that they can throw the ball and move the ball. It's and the, the appreciation. It, it's, yeah, it's unreal. So I'm with you on that one, too. Pitching... Pitching duels are the best. I think they're better than guys smashing home runs left exactly, and right. Exactly. So do I. I love it. I absolutely love watching mm-hmm. it. And then when you're finally able to get that hit, it's just like an ultimate high for that team. Mm-hmm. So it's different. Here's a question I do want to ask just for, you know, the people that list around here because most stuff we talk about is local. With Justin Verlander going there, he's had trouble in the World Series when he's got there in the past. When he went there in 2006, when he was a rookie, yes, it's a long time ago, but he didn't get a win. When he went there in 2012, he got absolutely shelled by Pablo Sandoval, three home runs. He's been able to get there. He's been able to be that playoff pitcher until he gets the World Series, but he hasn't been able to be the guy that gets him through it and gets the win. Does Justin Verlander rebound? And with however many chances he gets, may only be one, maybe two, does he do the job this World Series? Lane, I'll start with you. 100%. And then you already said that's why. So why? Why is that? Um, I don't know. I think he's he's probably just sick of it. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go out there. He's getting older. He's like, this is my time. I think he's going to do it this time. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, even you mentioning, even you mentioning, you know, the Pablo Sandoval home runs, that just takes me back to to a bad place in time. That was a, that was a rough night on the couch for me. I, I remember it like it was yesterday, and that was that was just like the downfall of the World Series. I mean, it literally yeah, just, they just got swept. Yeah, that. It, it was, was rough. Close. But I think what Justin Verlander needed was a change in scenery. I think that's what he got. I think he is in a new city. Like you said, they're passionate about baseball. You saw in Detroit, kind of 
started to, to drop as I mean, as people will still struggled. love it, but everyone knows they're in a rebuild. Exactly. That's that's the difference. Like, and fans this, were still showing the Tigers is, games still. And this is where these Houston fans, they are, they're on this extreme high. Like, this is their team. Like, this is the year. And I, I think Verlander feeds off that. You mentioned energy, you know, right when we started off on, on the MLB topic. And I'm going to go with that as well with Verlander. I think he does get the job done. I think the energy... I think I think he takes that. I think that feeds into him, and I I think he does really well in this series. He said when he left in the video that he put on Instagram and Twitter and whatever else that when he went to Detroit back in 2006, that was a, a city in turmoil that was like absolutely down, including the baseball team, and he was able to pick him back up. Now it's the same kind of thing with everything that's gone on in Houston over the past. He he's really fed into that. He was all about it before he even went there. So I think that that really it was influential in his decision, and I think he wants to win it for the city more than anything else. Um, I think he does pitch very well, but I don't know if he can get past Kershaw in that in that uh, first matchup. So I I'm I'm not so sure about that. Um, I think he pitches good. I'm not sure if he gets the win, but I don't think he's gonna get hit around like he did when he in, in previous World mm-hmm. Series appearances. I think he went there for a reason. He's more determined than anybody else to be able to get the job done. So I think he does his part. Um, at least I'm I'm not sure how well they're gonna be able to hit Kershaw when they when they go up against him. But we'll see how that goes. Who's your guys' World Series MVP? Ooh, Altuve. That's a tough one. Altuve. Yep. Jeremy P. Who Who's yours? Give me Give me a second. Give me a second. You, you Y'all give me give yours. mine. Give me yours first. I, I, I'm gonna go with Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa. I, I think I think that he makes enough plays in the field and enough plays with his bat. I think a couple of clutch home runs. One of those guys you everyone's expecting. No offense, <laughs> Altuve. Everyone's <laughs> expecting Justin Verlander to be able to do the job or, and maybe like get one of those. And then that's those. I mean, with good right. I mean, they're both mm-hmm. great players. They're probably. More than likely going to get it, but I think that Carlos Correa is a guy that's going to have like enough hits when they don't expect it as much, and he's really going to make his name big. Um, after this series, I think I think he's a player that feeds off the energy, and I think that Jose Altuve is a guy that sets him up, and I think he's the guy that makes the big hits in the series. I'm going to rock with somebody that most people probably wouldn't go with here in this situation, but I'm going to go with Corey Seager. Okay, coming back from injury. <laughs> okay, he's getting the start, game one. I, I just I just think he's he's going to have himself a series. He's going to have himself a series. I agree, and. and I think you will too. Usually, when players come back from injury, mm-hmm. they they play well in these kind of situations. Yep. So, so I, who knows? Who knows? But that that's my pick. That's my pick. You got a you got a thing for Corey Seager, Evan? You, yes. You like him or no? I just I just love the I love the story of people coming back from injury and playing well. <laughs> I, I love I, I just like the story. You know. Okay. So that that's going for the story. Yeah. I feel you. Okay. <laughs> no, nothing with Seager at all. Well, a story that we can talk about here in our last little off-topic thing that we do, and you guys brought this up to me earlier, and I thought it was kind of funny, so I figured we might as well talk about it. Eric Bledsoe, um, who plays for the Phoenix Suns, uh, said on Twitter on October 22nd, quote, I don't want to be here. Wanna, W-A-N-N-A, want to be here, (laughs) unquote. And he's been having problems with the Suns. Um, from what I'm from what I'm uh, reading and I've been reading over here the last, uh, you know, day or so since I've heard about it. Um, and apparently they're trying to trade him, and uh, McDonough, who's the the GM for the Suns, said that they're not going to go forward with him anymore in their organization. So clearly they thought that this comment was directed towards them, that he doesn't want to come back. He said that, according to you guys, it was at a hair salon, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> That's where he said he was. He doesn't want to be there. That is the worst lie I've ever heard in my life. That's <laughs> yeah. like the dog ate my homework lie. That's yeah. so bad. It's terrible. If you I didn't mean, want to get a haircut me. in the first place, why would you even go? Exactly. Like, what were they treating you bad at the at the hair salon? Was that was that was that the reason that you wanted to leave? Like, I, I'm really confused. And like, come up with a better excuse, seriously. Like, you had like you were right. You were tweeting that. Like, you knew people were gonna think you 
you meant you didn't want to be with the Suns anymore. Why wouldn't you come up with a better one before you tweeted it? You had time to think about yeah. it, too. <laughs> exactly. Like, just tweet something else. But right now is— Or don't tweet it. I mean, I can almost see the situation playing down, uh, you know, playing out as the GM calls him up. Hey, you know, we want to we wanna meet with you uh, about something tomorrow, let's just say. I mean, he has time to think about a different response than he was at the hair salon. Yeah. And why can't, I mean, if you don't want to be there, come up with a different approach. Yeah. <laughs> like, like maybe request a trade yeah. or something instead of just tweeting out, I don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That, like, is, that doesn't go down well. That just makes it all. awkward. That's, there's a lot around. of disrespect in that. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. And I, I, I just don't understand why you would say something so stupid like that. Like, just don't even, like, I, make, make any other excuse. Any other excuse in the book would, would have probably been fine besides I was at the hair salon. <laughs> yeah. Um. They're trying to trade him, trying to get rid of him. Uh, I've I've seen a lot of stuff with the Cavaliers. I was looking at yesterday, um, with that the the chance that he can maybe maybe go there and help them out. But apparently his asking price is really really high because he is a good player, um, on the court. So, do you guys think that he gets the deal that he wants, or apparently he's not going to be playing against the Kings in the, in their next game? So I mean, what what happens here? I really hope he doesn't go to the Cavs. I think that would really screw up a lot of team chemistry issues. He wants to be the guy that. He wants to be the number one guy. I mean, I don't know if you agree with me. I know you're, no, I know I you're a Cavs girl. Com- so. I agree with that comment, though. I, I mean, you see, you see it all the time, though. Yeah. Where guys that are selfish come in. I mean, I mean, look at Kobe and Shaq. I mean, yeah, they were they were good together, but when it came down to to crunch time against the Pistons in the in the 4 Finals, they lost it. They both they yeah. both wanted the ball. They both wanted to be the guy. And I think Bledsoe wants to be the guy on a team. So I don't know, maybe maybe the Nuggets or or the Knicks or, or something like that. I know Knicks have Porzingis and. Maybe you could do like a, a one-two combo. You can do like a one-two combo punch there or whatever. But I just think with the Cavs, if you if you want to be a star on a team, you can't go to the Cavs. The Cavs are not the place for you. No. At, That's at all. why you don't think the LeBron James effect would have anything on him. You don't think he'd be like, "I'm playing with the goat right now." Like, I might take a step back a little bit. You don't think so? I mean, mm. that would hopefully be. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully you would. Think I that, think. But- I think if you don't, then you're, I think you're, then crazy. you're crazy. I think, yeah, I, I, think, I think he might be crazy. <laughs> I mean, who knows? I mean, he did say he was at a hair salon for an excuse, so you could be right. I, I don't mean, know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, the Suns are clearly the worst team in the NBA. Like, yeah, they, they are clearly awful. Really they haven't made the playoffs since they had Steve Nash on their team. Yeah, he doesn't want to waste four Nash. years of his career playing for a team that won't make the playoffs, and I get that. Mm-hmm. But there's a better way to go about expressing your feelings towards that, I think, than tweeting something out for the whole world to see. I agree with that as That's well. That's a very personal conversation to have with your GM. Yeah, exactly. Just like if you were an adult, you'd bring it up with them instead of, you know, just like saying it on Twitter and trying to be like subtweeting and stuff like that. That just leaves people for inferring things. Mm-hmm. And how can you blame mm-hmm. them for not believing that if you're having issues with them? They sent them home from a meeting. Um, so obviously they're just, the organization's not happy with them. They said they're not going to go forward with them. They said he will never play for the Suns again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean... Yeah, he's definitely going somewhere else. No matter what they have to do to get rid of him, they're not going to keep him. I mean, obviously you don't want to just keep a guy around not playing, so they're going to deal him and try to get something for him or whatever they can. I think if he were to go to somewhere like Cleveland, I, I, I just, I mean, maybe unless he actually is crazy, I don't think there's any way that he doesn't, like, take a step back to, like, LeBron James and is like, okay, I'll be your sidekick. Like, I don't know, but they have so much going on over there already that it would yeah. be, like, kind of hard. Plus, you got to think about Isaiah Thomas is, not you know, like somewhere in the back burner. He's going to come back eventually. And start playing now. Whether he'll be as effective when he comes back from injury or not, that'll be you know to be decided later. But they have plenty of talent on that team, so I don't even know if Cleveland really wants them that bad. This is gonna be the, this is gonna be one of those stories with Bledsoe to watch, not even for for just the the future weeks, but also 
in future months just to see how he kind of pans out with all this and where he ends up. I mean, More drama on the NBA. Exactly. What is well, new yeah, with that what's league? new, right? So. <laughs> who knows where he could end up? Who knows what could go down? Nobody really knows at this point. But I just read something that said he was at the hair salon with his girl, and he didn't want to be there anymore. Oh. So maybe she was getting a haircut. But I Does still, ask her? still that's, don't that's believe it. Question. Let's see if her hair is cut. <laughs> just with his girl? What's his girl? Girlfriend? Or like I don't know. Just I just said I don't with know. his girl. That's really professional too. Um, yeah. So, anyways, Eric Bledsoe's got some issues. I don't. I don't. I don't really know what else to say about that. Other than I think it's a complete lie. You guys all agree with all that? Lie. Yep. Okay. Well, then we can conclude that subject, and we can move on to our stud and dud to finish up the show. Elena, I will start with you. What is your stud? JV, of course. Justin Verlander. Phenomenal. Uh, being the MVP. Uh, so he's I getting mean, a lot of love in the show. Yeah, I picked him like a week ago. So. Him. I can't. I, how can you go against the guy right now? Exactly. He's dominating. You, you got to go with him. I know yeah. exactly. That's what I'm saying. He's he's been phenomenal in those games in the World Series. He just kept feeding and feeding, getting better and better and better. I I loved his uh, Instagram video of him uh, at his house watching like the replay or whatever. And Jose Altuve was just like, "Oh, I love Justin Verlander. I love that guy." And he like just said, "I love you too, Jose Altuve." <laughs> I thought that yeah, was that really was funny. Good. Like obviously they have good chemistry going there, and he's really been able to show that he's a true professional and just work with a different team and be a leader mm-hmm. there. So, yeah. Evan. So my stud and my dud kind of go hand in hand, starting with uh, with my stud, Joel Embiid. 30 points, 9 rebounds, 2 steals, and a win over the Pistons. <laughs> I watched that game last night. He, he wow. literally wrecked Andre Drummond. He made oh Andre Drummond gosh. look so silly on so many different occasions. And then he said after, quote, defensively, he doesn't play any defense. <laughs> when we started the game, he was being aggressive, and he was talking too. Oh, man. So what I was like <laughs> was like, you want you want to do that? I'm going to kick your butt then. So that's what I did, end quote. Oh and he literally straight up said that Drummond was talking, and he's oh told him back. He goodness. said, he said I'm, I'm, about to, I'm about to own this game right now, and he did. Um, and we'll get back to Drummond's comments in my dud Okay, that comes back around. Well, I can't wait for that part. Anyways, um, my stud is a guy here at CMU. I'm going to uh, get feed, feed to the fans of the Central Michigan Chippewas uh, playing against Ball State, Corey Willis, um, a guy that came back from injury. Just being around the football team a lot. Uh, he was able to come back this past week and have five catches, 98 yards, and three touchdowns. Makes a huge difference for that team. Um, and just to you know, kind of change it up a little bit and bring a Central Michigan dud into here, I thought it was an absolute performance that was worthy of it. Because when you're out for as long as he was and the way that he played against Kansas in week two where he scored three touchdowns as well, to be able to come back and do that like it was nothing and like he missed nothing at all, I think that's phenomenal. So, Corey Willis, you get my stud this week. Evan, you want to go back to your dud now? Would you like to allude to who your next guy is if people couldn't already figure it out? Andre Drummond uh, <laughs> as my dud for this week. 14 points, 14 rebounds, one assist, four steals, and a loss against the Sixers. Now, after after Joel Embiid said what he said, Drummond came back with, see you on December 2nd, and then a smirk face emoji. <laughs> like, like, this is my thing. You just got smacked. So why do you have to say that? Yeah. And 14 and 14 is not bad, but the fact that Joel Embiid outplayed you pretty much in every facet of the game besides rebounds, that that that's kind of kind of embarrassing as a guy under Drummond who's been in the league for a while, like he knows, you know, what he he should be he should know what he's doing. And Joel Embiid comes out here and absolutely outplays you. I mean, you get smacked and you're gonna say see you on December second. Like why didn't you just prove yourself the first time? That's my thing. Yeah. You had your chance. 
I think Andre Drummond's a baby, to be completely honest. I just watching the guy play basketball, I think he yep. whines a lot, and I, I don't think he was worth the money. But I, that's that's a different topic for another time that I'm sure we'll get into <laughs> later this season if they keep losing to teams like the Sixers. So, Elena? Uh, my dud is Kyrie Irving. I I want I liked this guy. Okay, so I've liked this guy for a long time. But this year, since he since he requested the trade, I just I've had a hard time liking him just because of the way he went about it. And like it's still it's still happening because I don't know if you guys saw it, but the other day he was going through the tunnel and a, a fan yelled at him, "Hey, where's LeBron?" And I'm not gonna say what he said back, but he got fined twenty five thousand dollars for it. So Jeez. it was pretty uh graphic what he said. So and I just I don't think he's being smart about it, and he's just kind of being a whiner. And I don't know, I'm just not impressed. So Kyrie Irving is my dud. That's fair. My dad, um, is something we talked about earlier in the show a little bit, was uh, Michigan football fans recently. Just, you know, formally following the, like, I used to be, you know, the complete fanboy as well. I've kind of, you know, shifted away from that as I've started to get older. But um, used to be the same kind of way, and I, I just, I can't stand people that do it, and now I understand why people couldn't stand it. Um, it's just ridiculous with all this stuff right now of expecting Michigan to just be the national champions when they have, I can't remember the exact number of how many starters they have returning on both sides of the ball total, but it's not a lot. Um, it's under 10, I can tell you that right now. So people are just expecting Jim Harbaugh to just, you know, be able to run with what he's got and, and win games is kind of ridiculous when you got a guy like John O'Corn playing quarterback as your best quarterback and whatever else they have. Obviously, the defense wasn't acceptable on Saturday, but that kind of, it's, it's just pathetic right now. If you're a Michigan, Michigan football fans and the fan base needs to be more understanding and just accept that this team's young and kind of set new expectations to where they're at, I think, right now. Because they're not a team that's going to win much this year. I think you just need to start thinking about the future and kind of hope that he can correct those uh, correct those problems coming out next season. So I think that's it for the show. Um, we'll talk to you guys next time. Keep following us on CM Life and CM Life Sports for all those updates. That's where we post these. And we will talk at you guys next time.